welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is anthony vicino from invectus capital welcome anthony yeah thanks for having me it's good to be here Yeah, thanks for being on the show. A little bit about Anthony. Anthony Vicino is a best-selling author, apartment investor, and podcast host. He's built multiple successful businesses from the ground up by creating systems that scale and be, by never losing sight of end-user satisfaction. After years of managing a personal portfolio of multiple multi-family assets spread across the country, Anthony joined forces with uh, Dan Kruger in 2019 to launch Invectus Capital and execute. their first syndication without anthony would you like to add anything to your background you know it's it's always interesting because those those bios they're always the high level successes the bullet points of like our the high points in our career and it doesn't spend a lot of time talking about our failures so much so i would anybody listening to this i would point out that i have failed much much more than i've succeeded so when you're listening to that highlight reel uh, just keep in mind that it's it's backed by a long path of of failing my way to success and uh so yeah i i, I don't know exactly if you want me to go into in, into those failures or into the back story a little bit but um yeah definitely yeah you know, so you know coming out of college it just was clear to me that i wasn't a very good employee working for other people i tend to be what i refer to now as a lazy a player so i was the type of guy who would figure out how to get the job done in less time so that i could kind of coast the rest of the time and so that was never going to work for me long term because i'm also the type of person who likes to be challenged I like to push myself and to grow and to know that i'm driving towards my full potential so working for other people just wasn't wasn't going to work and so i went and started finding ways that i could you know build things for myself and so that was i spent some time as a professional athlete and then i started writing novels did that for a long time and then i started building businesses and realized that i i have a knack for putting systems together and and then they you know they scale and so that's what kind of led me to real estate because real estate is at its core a very simple system once you understand how the pieces go together you can build upon it very easily and so i i like that more so than really complex systems i i prefer simple systems that we can just you know keep doing the same repetitive thing over and over and we know that the the result is going to be the same so i'm not a person that thrives in like chaotic environments i like things kind of regimented and and known qualities. So that's kind of where I'm at now. We syndicate multifamily assets up here in the Twin Cities. And so we're also vertically integrated, which means we do the property management in-house for all our assets. And so at the same time we're we're building kind of two companies at the uh, simultaneously one is, you know, the the side of the company where we work with passive investors and then the other side of the company is where we're serving our residents. And so that's that's what we do. cool and thanks for sharing that and you wrote a book on hyper focus mind would you share more about that book anthony yeah you know i've always been fascinated with human psychology the psychology of success i i have a masters in psychology and so i've spent a lot of time thinking about it and and for my, it was for myself mostly because growing up and still to this day i have adhd so attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and i think a lot of people misunderstand the 
what that's about. They think it means that we, I don't have the ability to focus, which isn't the case. I actually just don't necessarily have the ability to control where I'm focused. But when I am focused on something, I go into what's known as a hyper-focused state. And so this is a lot like the flow state that a lot of people are familiar with, where you just get really, really focused in on something. And so the problem with ADHD though, is if, you know, if you're in an environment where you're filled with negative stimuli, then it's very easy to get focused in on that negative stimuli. So that could be if it's video games, then I get really focused on video games. If it's watching the paint dry on the wall, then I get really focused on that. So my life has really been about creating systems and habits and routines around my day, creating structure so that the things that I'm likely to get distracted and focused on are the things that are moving me forward in life. And so hyper-focused mind is really me sharing a lot of my, my struggles, my wins, my losses, and trying to turn this weakness that a lot of people, what a lot of people see as a weakness, this ADHD and, and turning it into a strength. Cool. And thanks for sharing that. And you spoke about creating systems efficiently. So would you share more about that and what kind of systems you have implemented? Yeah. So what's interesting with systems, I think a lot of times people, they look at like a, a, a business as a finished state and, or like an established business and say, okay, well that that's great and dandy. They have all their systems figured out. They look like they, they're all put together, but that's not really the reality of a startup. And most small businesses really struggle to systematize what they do. And if you can't systematize what you do, then you can't guarantee replicatability. So what I've always preached is in the early days of a startup, and I say early days of like the first couple of years, until you hit a certain threshold, you really need to be focusing on laying the groundwork for the type of company you're going to be on a three to five year horizon. And I think a lot of companies in the early days, they get stuck just focusing on surviving in the, the moment. They say, okay, we just need to get through this quarter. We need to get through this year or this, this launch. And they lose sight of, okay, what we're doing now isn't going to work in three years as we bring on more employees, as we're doing more volume, more scale. And so you need to really be building those systems from the very, very beginning with the idea of who you're going to be in the future. And that's hard for a lot of people because you don't have maybe the resources to do it as well as you would like to do. And so you have to start small and make it applicable on the small scale. And so what I always talk about when, if I go into a business and I'm working with somebody who they've, maybe they're doing, you know, one to $3 million in revenue, top line revenue. They have a couple of employees, but they don't really have great systems in place. There's really three things that we focus on, which is develop your operations manual, develop your culture book, and then focus on your owner's manual. And so the operations manual, that's the, how do we get employees in here and and onboard them seamlessly. So that's a lot like the HR track and make sure that we understand how to do all the legal things associated with getting somebody into the company and ramped up to speed. The, the culture book is all about how do we teach and indoctrinate people into the culture because we all know culture is super important, but unless we can clearly identify what that means and teach that, then we're just left trying to hire somebody who's a Goldilocks perfect fit for our culture. And that's impossible to do. So we have to have some way of training that. And then the owner's manual is, okay, what are all the jobs that are being done in this place? And when you're first starting a business, and especially in real estate, you're probably doing all the jobs yourself because you're an owner and you don't have the money to, to go and hire people out. So you're doing everything. And so what you need to do is you need to document all of those things that you do and then start creating checklists and creating processes about how do you actually do that? So right now, if that's 
you are doing all the marketing for your company. Well, document how exactly do you do that? And until you have that documented, then you can't go and hire somebody and put them into that seat. And so I think where a lot of people get stuck is they think it has to be perfect and they need to drill down and get it exactly right the first time. And that's just not the case. I'm, I'm a big proponent that we fail our way to success. And so micro iterations, we just got to move quickly, get the checklist in and down. And that could be you know, my email process is I can break it down into five steps, these five steps. Now I can hand that over to a VA and say, hey, here's the five steps, make it better. And they can then take a system and improve it. So that's at its core where I would start for most businesses, most real estate people trying to build their businesses is start with those three foundational systems. Again, that's the, you know, the, the operations manual, the culture book and the owner's manual. Awesome. And thanks for sharing that. So would you share how your company benefited from implementing the systems? Yeah. So it's all about working on the business and not working in the business. And a lot of owners, if you don't implement or start creating these systems early, you're always going to be stuck. And so for us, we've scaled really quickly in the last couple of years. And, you know, we've, I've, I've used this process across a number of businesses that we've scaled from ground zero all the way up to doing seven figures of revenue in just a single year. And each one of those, it's always about the people because people are the hardest part of any business, like getting people in alignment, getting them rowing towards the same destination. That's always the very difficult part of the job. The widgets, selling things, that's easy. But getting employees, getting people into the right seat on the bus and doing the job at an excellent level, that's hard to do. And so these systems, they, they've always made the transition from us doing everything as owners to putting people into the seat and, and, and setting them up for success. Because at the end of the day, people need to be able to win at their jobs. And if you don't have it clearly identified what it means to win, like what does it look like for you know the shipping manager or like the, the property manager to come into their role and succeed, if you can't identify that, then they're going to be coming in every day filled with this lack of knowledge. And if, if you don't know how you win the game, then you, you become demotivated. And so the first thing is show your employees how they can win at their job and then help facilitate that. Because if you don't, if you don't succeed at that one thing, you're going to be stuck working in the company forever. And for most entrepreneurs, most business people, you don't want to be doing the same thing next year or in five years that you're having to do right now. Because right now, in the early days of a business, you're probably doing everything. You're wearing every single hat. And so you need to, you need to set yourself up so you can start taking those hats off and handing them to other people. Yep. Cool. So would you share any challenges in implementing the systems? Yeah. So the culture part is always the trickiest bit because what, what I've learned is one is you think that you're, you're being very clear when you're talking about culture with somebody else. But what I've learned is you can have your core values, you can have your core pillars, you can have all these things, but everybody defines things differently and they live out those values very differently. So we can sit down and say, Hey, as a company, I value integrity and mastery and stewardship. And I put those three terms in front of you. And then I ask you, okay, how do you define integrity? How do you define mastery or stewardship? And you're going to probably have very different definitions of those things than I or the company has. And that could be problematic because we need, if we need, if we want the team to be rowing in the same direction, then everybody's got to be in the same boat. That has to be the first bit. And so we can't all be in different boats with different definitions. One of the things that I've learned is when you think that you've made it very clear, you've defined the terms and you've, you've sat down and you've, you think you've done enough training. My experience has been, it takes many, many more repetitions or iterations of training somebody to, to think in those new ways than you first think. It's like in marketing, 
They say it takes between seven and 10 touches before somebody even becomes aware of your product. So they need to see your logo on a billboard. They need to see your logo on Facebook or a TV commercial. You know, they, we need to see it in all these different places before it even starts to register in our conscious mind. And that's a lot of touches, seven to 10 touches. And then it's probably going to take another 20 touches before they're ready and familiar enough with you as a company to do business with you. And it's the same principle when it comes to training on culture is that you have to repeat yourself so much more than you think you than you think you should because you feel like a broken record but for the people around you your employees the people that you're trying to train in this way of thinking it's not something that they're living and breathing in the same way as you are and so i would say focus on the repetition because it's going to take a lot more than you think cool yep awesome so would you share your company's investment strategy anthony for invictus capital yes Yeah. So yeah, we focus on multifamily assets up here in the Twin Cities. And because we're vertically integrated, meaning we do all the property management in-house, we're isolated to this particular market. And so, and that happens to be a good thing because we really like this market up here. There's a lot of really positive reasons to be bullish on Minneapolis. So what we do is we focus on the value add multifamily syndication model. So we go and buy buildings that are between 20 and 100 units. We go in there and we find some way to force appreciation. This is the the great zone where we can go in there and increase the revenue or decrease the expenses and you know ultimately improve the the valuation of our buildings and then we'll execute a cash out refinance usually in year 2 or 3 with the expectation of returning around 50 to 60% of our investors capital at that moment and then just continue to hold the assets we're big buy and hold forever type guys and so our goal is to hold these assets indefinitely Oh awesome awesome so would you like to share any of best experiences or outside box ideas you have implemented either systems or apartment investing you know i don't know if it's out of the box it actually it's it's certainly not out of the box but it's the most impactful thing is when we talk about marketing or reaching out and finding investors let's say cuz that's a big component of what we do is you know working with passive investors our focus has always been on education and adding value and that's nothing new everybody knows you should should add value but our approach we we hate being sales people we don't want to sell anybody on multifamily investing we don't want to sell them on what we do so our approach has always been just educate put the put content out there you know we put out a book we publish a podcast we write daily on our blog and on social media we're just putting out content so that people can become aware of that this investment vehicle is available to them that they might not have realized it. and whether they do business with us or they go and find another operator to to work with our approach has always just been educate 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 and that's been incredibly powerful for us and our business plan and so for people out there wondering how do you you know if they're struggling to grow i would look at what's your marketing strategy right now is it geared towards you know educating and adding value or is it just kind of you with a bullhorn screaming out to the world hey come invest with me because that doesn't work unfortunately but i think that's how a lot of people utilize social media because they don't understand the that there's a better way to do it and that better way it takes time and energy you know putting out educational content or putting out content that's derived towards adding value to the the consumer that that takes a lot of time and intentionality it's much harder than just saying hey come do business with us and so i think that's why people kind of phone it in on social media or you know wherever they're doing their marketing but i would say put yourself in the position of your potential customer whether that's you know a passive investor or if you're you know a property manager you're trying to find tenants for your buildings put yourself in the position of the tenant and thinking about okay what is it that would add value to them not necessarily what would you know be the easiest for me 
cool and indeed that is true so would you share any challenges or worst experiences in apartment investing or building systems yeah so i would say 2020 was an interesting year for us because covid was you know it put a put a wrench in a lot of people's plans but for us because we are vertically integrated and we do the property management and we work daily with our residents we're in a unique position to be able to to navigate those those murky waters especially as the eviction moratorium went into place it was unclear what was going to happen with the markets and it kind of put a stall on a lot of you know tenants going and looking for new accommodations and so there was a period of time where there there was a lull in activity and so for us it gave us an opportunity to really start thinking about what were those old methods that people were used to and so that was you know in person check-ins or in person tours of properties and then that really gave us the opportunity to pivot and make a, a move towards virtual tours and saying how can we continue to serve potential tenants that are looking for a place to live while still maintaining you know safety and and, and precautions and so i wouldn't say that, that that was necessarily like the worst case or anything like that it was just an interesting opportunity for us to to kind of improve our game and move into a sector of serving the residents that we probably wouldn't have been forced into in the next year or two without COVID kind of having taken place. Okay, yeah, thanks for sharing. So what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now? You know, right now we have a, a book that we're going to be publishing and it comes out in July called Passive Investing Made Simple. I'm really excited about that because everything that we do again is about educating people and by and large, like especially right now with this week, I don't know when this episode will go live, but this week was, you know, a crazy time in the stock market with everything happening with GameStop. And that's just, a, it reiterates to me why we like multifamily real estate investing. You know, our valuations are nice and stable, but a lot of people don't realize that that vehicle is available to them. So they put their money in the 401k, it goes in the stock market and they're at the, the whim of all this volatility. And so that book, Passive Investing Made Simple, we're, put, we're putting out a course alongside that. I'm really excited about that because every time we can throw more educational content out there, then we have a chance of educating new people that have never known that this vehicle is available. And that's really cool because I think a lot of people lose sleep at night, not feeling comfortable knowing what's happening with their retirement plans in the, you know, in the stock market in particular. And so I think this is a better way to invest and I, and, and hopefully people agree, but the first step to that is just putting out the content so they can see it. So, right. Yeah. So any one advice that impact you do? Yeah. The thing I think about the most these days is a, a quote from Naval Ravikant, which is play long-term games with long-term people and just recognizing whether it's real estate, business, or life, the compounding effects relationships are impossible to measure, but they're incredibly impactful. So make sure that you're investing your time and energy into the people around you and looking at them and saying, I plan on being in this person's life, working with them for the next 10, 15, 20 years. And if you're surrounded by people that you can't see yourself working with for that long of a time period, then you probably should stop working with them because you're, you're just denying yourself the opportunity in the long term of benefiting from the, the compounding effects. And so play long-term games with long-term people. Awesome. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? Yeah, the, the book I recommend and gift the most often is Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It's a short book from, you know, one of the great philosopher emperors of Rome. And it's just his journal writing to himself, trying to come to terms with what's it mean to be a good person and how to live your best life. And so he wasn't writing it for an audience. He was just writing it for himself. And I think that makes it incredibly impactful and, and timeless. 
Cool. And thanks for sharing that. So how are you giving back to community? You know, one of the things I, I think we can all do to give back is to really focus on trying to be the best versions of ourselves. Like, you know, it's the idea of um, Jordan Peterson talks about clean your room uh, before you try to fix the world. And I think a lot of times we try and go and fix the world before we've we've really taken care of ourselves first. But it's the idea that if you want to help your friend out of the well, you need to first make sure that you're on firm enough footing before you reach in there to pull them out, because otherwise you're going to fall in there too. And that might be fun for a little bit while you and your buddy are in the bottom of the well, but long-term that's not going to be a great place to hang out. So make sure that you're taking care of yourself and you're putting yourself in a position where you, you can help the people around you. It's the idea that you can't pour from an empty cup. So fill up your cup first and make sure that you're able to pour out from there. So take care of yourself. Cool. Yep. So how can listeners can connect with you? You can find me over at InvictusMultifamily.com. Otherwise, we have a podcast called Multifamily Investing Made Simple, where it's just designed to take the complexity out of real estate investing because it can feel really daunting and overwhelming. We just want to make it, you know, consumable. Make sure that you under you, you can understand this. It's it's not impossible to to learn and that there is a place for you within this awesome investment vehicle. Yeah. Thank you, Anthony. And thanks for sharing about systems. Yeah, absolutely. If you like the show, please subscribe, share rate and review and if you want to connect with me please send me a message info at ushacapital.com thank you for listening creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast i hope you learned something from the show see you in the next episode thank you any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only as always Please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.